This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. Welcome to another Voices of Vapors podcast series where we explore tobacco harm reduction among policy persons, advocates, and policymakers. As you know, electronic cigarettes are becoming increasingly popular, maybe for some wrong reasons if you listen to the media, but nonetheless, they are playing a very important role in tobacco harm reduction. Their efficacy as as, uh, safer devices have been proven time and time again. Um, Public Health England and the Royal College of Physicians have found these products to be 95% safer than smoking. Since their introduction to the United States market, though, in around 2007, 2008, they've been subject to numerous regulations, taxations, and even prohibition on all the local, state, and federal levels. It's unfortunate because there's an estimated uh, 10 million vapors in the United States and approximately 3 million have used these products to quit smoking. And right now, they're also being restricted access to valuable information about the reduced harms that these products provide. Today, I've got James Jarvis joining the show. He's the president of the Ohio Trade Vapor Association, or OHTVA. He's been involved in vaping since almost the beginning, uh, 2008. He owns five vape shops, Vapor Station in Central Ohio, as well as an e-liquid manufacturing lab. In 2015, he took a very more active role in advocacy, started meeting with state legislators to help educate them on vaping and the whole business side of it. He's also met with Congressman Steve Stivers um, of Ohio, um, who is a co-sponsor of H.R. 2058, which would, change, which would have changed the predicate date um, for um, electronic cigarette products. He's also been a co-sponsor of other legislation, including um, H.R. 1136 and the Cole Bishop Amendment. In 2016, James was elected to president of OHVTA, and he's representing the organization at uh, state and federal conferences as well as in Washington, D.C. OHVTA has been successful in defeating three tax attempts by Governor John Kasich. And uh, James was the 2018 recipient of the Outstanding Legislative Advocate Award by the Vapor Technology Association. So, James, thank you for coming on to the show today. How are you? I'm doing great, Lindsay. How are you? I'm fantastic. So... Always my first question, how did you find yourself involved with the vaping industry? Well, back in 2008, I think it was around February, a friend of mine had started using a device that he had purchased for his mom who absolutely did not like it. She had smoked for a while. He was trying to help her get off of it, and she just kind of threw it in a drawer. And at the same point in time, he had smoked for a while. Uh, He pulled it out of the drawer and, and started using it, and he was able to successfully get off of cigarettes. So you kind of fast forward to around August of that year, uh, he started a cigarette company called Westside Vapor and asked me to help him get it out into the front of the people. So uh, we started selling out of the back of his car, my car, to gas stations and carryouts. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's been a while. Oh, wow. So, okay, so um, from there, so, so you might want to explain to our listeners um, who might not be familiar with, okay, what is the Sigalike and how has this transformed to what we think of vaping today as? Well, so the Sigalike is, is basically the, the first real vape device that was out on the market. Um, it looks very similar to a cigarette as far as the style. It's small, uh, round, you know, cylinder like a, like a cigarette would be. Uh, weighs a little bit more, um, and they all take pre-filled cartridges that you can screw on and off. Uh, and that was kind of like the first evolution of the vaping technology as we knew it. Um, and from there, you know, it, it kept evolving into uh, 
replaceable, small replaceable atomizers that do a lot of the work. So whenever you pull on your battery or you, you inhale on your battery, the liquid drips onto the atomizer, which then vaporizes it. And then you get, you know, you get the vapor that you, you pull into your lungs and, and exhale. Um, things kept going on and on and technology kept evolving. And, and next thing you know, you've got higher powered batteries and you've got larger cartridges, which at this point in time, they started turning into tanks and you could fill the, you could actually fill the tanks up with the liquid. At that point in time, you're probably talking around 2009, 2010. Um, as, as the industry started changing, uh, those liquids became more and more prevalent. A lot of them came directly out of China, uh, along with the devices that had started in the market. Um, that quickly evolved into the first vapor station, which is a company that I am, I'm with. Uh, we have a total of 20 stores in the state of Ohio. They are all independently owned by several different folks. I own five. Uh, the gentleman that started it, Jason Gang, he owns, I think, nine. And then there are several other folks that own their own store with, with that carries the vapor station name on it. Um, but he put the first one in in 2000 and I'm going to say 2013. Okay. Wow. Uh, let me see. Six, 2000. Yeah, I think 2013, right around April of 2013, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he'll be coming up on seven years, six and a half years, seven years. So it'll be in 2012. So he'll be coming up on seven years uh, next wow. time around. The, next time around the sun, as far as being in, you know, being a visionary and getting the, the storefront up. But at that time, you know, that's whenever the industry really started changing. Um, devices became larger, uh, higher, higher powered devices, all the way up to a whopping 10 watts um, at that point in time. And you had, you know, you were able to have liquid up to 36 milligrams of nicotine. Uh, most of it was extremely thin because that's all that was on the market you know, at that point in time. And then, you know, evolution changes. Two years go by, people start building their own coils and, and getting to it, get into a type of called dripping where you would take a, a, a thicker liquid and you would the tank went from being a tank to a, what they call a rebuttable atomizer. You would pull the cap off of the, the top of it. You drip the liquid right onto your coils, put your cap back on. You press your button. It would heat up the coils, which then vaporizes the liquid and you, you know, you're off to the races again. Um, so then from there, that became a huge, huge part of the industry because the industry just exploded with new businesses all over the United States. Yeah. Um, you know, Ohio specifically went from, I think there were about five shops in 2012 to around 20 in 2013 to around 50 by 2014. Oh, wow. And then 2015, we had around 80 and then we were at 120 right around 2016. Just in Columbus, sorry. This is in Ohio. This is just Columbus. Oh wow. Uh, central, Central Columbus. So it got really, really popular, and stores were opening up everywhere um, because a lot of people were doing it, and you know, they they've seen success stories with their their friends or their parents or their cousin that was able to kick the habit using vapor products, and you know, you know, we were there, and there was customers just everywhere, and they were wanting to try this new great technology because they wanted off the stinkies, and that's kind of where we where we went um, in, a, in a real quick nutshell. <laughs> um, I mean, really it, it, you know, devices now are over 200 Watts and cloud. You could blow as big as you want or as small as you want, uh, just depending on what you want, which is amazing with this, this industry 
is you can customize your device to your needs. Yes. All the way from color, size, pretty much shape, type of liquid, flavor of liquid, how much nicotine. It's all fully customizable to vape the way you want to vape. Exactly. And I think that's a very important part when, when it comes to electronic cigarettes and vaping devices. And just the whole idea of quitting smoking. It's a very personal, you know, addiction. It's very personal, um, you know, as you smoke. And it's an intimate relationship, so to speak. So I think it's imperative that there are these options available. And I think electronic cigarettes do provide a wide variety of customization um, um, options for that. So, yeah. And I mean, it, it's fun from, from the, the consumer aspect. It, it really let you buy into the industry because if you do something that you enjoy doing to get yourself off of something that you didn't really enjoy in the first place or that you know could be detrimental to your health, if you can make it your own and be proud of it, put it out there, use it and say, Hey, look, I, I designed this. This is my, my device. This is my liquid. This is what has made me successful in quitting. It's only going to make you believe in the product even more and continue to be an advocate on the consumer side to bring other folks into the industry to do what you did because you want to see them to be successful and get off of this habit that they had started years ago. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So, okay, let's, let's move some gears into Ohio since that's, <coughs> you know, um, um, what are some of the challenges that, um, OHT, uh, the OHVTA, I want to keep calling it TV. My apologies on that one. Um, what are, <laughs> some, all the time. what are some of the challenges that OHVTA has dealt with? Um, and also what is the regulatory landscape for vapor products in, um, Ohio? Are they considered tobacco products? Um, just kind of walk our listeners through some of that. Well, currently in Ohio, we the only we really have no regulation awesome. uh, as far as state goes. We are just sales tax only. There's no flavor bans. There's no uh, well, there is age restriction for the state is 18 and over, uh, but there's you know, there's no special license you needed. It's just if you really believe in the product and you wanted to start a business and you had the ability. You'd go down, file for your your vendor's license and your your tax information, and you'd go you know, you'd go open up a business. Oh, awesome! And it's still that way. Um, some of the issues that we've had over the over the years, uh, when OHBTA first started, before I got on board, I think it was 2014. Um, it was started by Scott Ely, I think Rob Winslow, um, Adam Knutson, and I know I'm forgetting somebody in there. Um, Frank K. Hall, they had originally had started OHVTA and it was, it hit the ground running in 20, I said, I think it was 2014. Um, and they, you know, they, they engaged, uh, with a lobbyist, her name is Charlotte Hickox. And I'm happy to say that after five years, she is still representing us in the state of Ohio. That's awesome. Um, Charlotte is fantastic. She's uber intelligent. She's very well connected and she when she's there, she means business, but she has a relationship with not only our state reps and state senators, but our congressmen and women and, and U.S. senators. Awesome. She is just she's, – she's awesome, and she really has taught us how to become professional business owners on the lobbying aspect and how to represent yourself and tell your story to your, your politicians. Okay. So that was – you know back then, again, you're, so you're talking over five years ago um, – had anywhere from nine to 13 members from what I remember. Uh, I was not one of the originals. Uh, 
I joined on in 2000 and uh, was it 2015? Um, late 2015, I joined. Okay. Uh, then we, you know, because we had a, a tax bill coming up. The governor wanted to tax us at, I believe it was 98% of wholesale. Oh, wow. Okay. Which would have just annihilated business in the state of Ohio immediately. Um, so we had a rally cry. We had a vape convention that I had actually had hosted in Columbus. I joined uh, or joined OHVT that day. We went booth by booth, and we signed up that day probably right around 20, 20 or so members. And then over the next two weeks, we had added another 20. So we had about 45 member, members just out of that expo uh, after we really kind of started putting things out there that we needed help because we were about to, ready to go under because of the governor. Yeah. Um, then near, in December of that year, they had elections, and I was nominated, and then elected as president starting in 2016. Okay. Um, that year we faced a budget of, I believe it was, they were there in their budget, it was a 45% retail tax and a floor tax, if I'm not mistaken, for vapor, and we were able to get that removed. Oh, wow. Uh, and then last, see, not last year, year before last, which would have been 2017. 2017. Um, governor introduced a budget, you know, a bill for the budget again, and one of the uh, amendments in it was a 69% wholesale tax, oh, which again we killed. Um, you know, OHVTA now stands at about 135 business members in the state of Ohio. Uh, we have, you know, we have been very fortunate for the members that we have to invest in the state, both inside and out. Uh, we have, I believe, the last time I counted, was 17 businesses that are from out of state that invest in Ohio in OHVTA to help us protect our business here plus all the businesses that are in the state of ohio um above and beyond that we have contributed um charlotte has contributed some language to a bill that was introduced i think it was in 2015 for the childproof cap law okay which that was not a, a federal law at all it was something that we agreed should be done and we lobbied with a couple of the senators that introduced it um we also lobbied for the 18 and over law, which was nothing in Ohio at that point in time, nor federally. That didn't come in until a couple years later in the Obama administration. Yep. That was 18 and over. We were ahead of the game there, supporting restricting youth access to anybody under the age of 18. No, that's a valid point. Actually, yeah, I think that a lot of the a lot of um, what gets lost in the media and everything on the vaping is that the actual the industry has done a lot of the self regulations as far as the child proof cat the child proof uh, you know containers and the eighteen plus. Another thing is also the standards um, you know for your the e liquid products. Could you explain? how that's came about and like i know you know ohio you just explained it but also i guess you know um from the national level how other groups have advocated for the, these type of sensible regulations you know i think pretty much I, I, ohio was early in uh we were one of the the first state associations out there uh, i know tennessee under demetrius has done an amazing job they were probably the first group uh, and they attacked it very same way. They were all for childproof caps. They were all for 18 and over. Yep. Um, I think if you had a if you had a lobbyist and you had a state association and they weren't getting involved on that piece, trying to put our best foot forward as an industry to protect the kids from the things that we see that are the real issue, you know, then you were not doing your state 
or the industry a very good service at that point in time. So I don't, I don't know that anybody was ever actually against doing that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know we've had uh, instances where uh, Tony Abood has came in from VTA and spoken on on behalf of Ohio and you know what's going on in the industry as far as what taxes would do. We've had Jake Butcher come in from VTA. Uh, Greg Conley's been in. We've had Paul Blair from the Americans for Tax Reform come in and speak. Um, our vice president tells an amazing story every time there's a legislative session and, and he gets a chance to. It talks about his journey. And every time he's told this story, representatives have either got up and walked out of the room to kind of dry their eyes a little bit. Or they've walked over to him when he was done, gave him a hug, and said, hey, amazing. Uh, Just amazing. Very special. The Heartland Institute has ramped up our video production in 2018, and we wanted to let you know about the first two weekly series you should be checking out on Heartland's YouTube channel. The first is called Two Minutes with Tim, starring new Heartland Institute president Tim Hulskamp. Dr. Hulskamp weighs in on the hot news story of the week from a free market perspective or an issue that's important to advancing our shared mission of smaller government and more individual liberty. Tim has commented on the fake polar bear scare, the left's attempt to take over the internet via net neutrality, school choice advancements across the country, defending the Second Amendment, and more. Hartlett is also producing a new series called Flashes of Freedom, which applies free market principles to real-world situations. Videos we've already produced have featured freedom champions such as Steve Forbes, Matt Kibbe, John Stossel, Dan Proft, Joe Walsh, John Lott, and more. Go to YouTube and search for the Heartland Institute or go right to Heartland Tube and subscribe to our channel. You'll get a notification of every new release so you never miss a timely and professionally produced episode of our new video series. Go to YouTube and search for Heartland Institute today. Back to Ohio. Okay, I, I remember that there was a city council earlier, I think, well, I guess it was late last year, that wanted to increase the vaping age to 21, but keep the cigarette, a combustible cigarette age at 18. And there's also two states this year, um, Nebraska and Iowa, that have the state bills like that. Um, now, um, OHVTA was involved with that. Could you talk about that and, like, and how you were able to... I guess, how are you able to calmly go to that city council, you know, and tell them why this is such a bad idea? Well, we actually found out about that meeting, I believe it was the day before, that this was going to be an actual issue. Um, Charlotte emailed the two of the city council members up there that she knew, okay. um, really kind of laid out some information for them. Uh, we came up the next evening to speak, myself, um, Rod Mallory and his wife, which are members of OHVTA, they own a chain of stores called Rock Vapor Scissors. Okay. And there was another business owner who's not a member of OHVTA, and I cannot remember, honestly, what store he represented. Um, we had all been there to speak, and I had written my, my testimony up. Um, and then right before I went up, I think I got an email back from Charlotte. She said, uh, they, they have no record of this being on the agenda for tonight. Um, you know, we can try to get a meeting with them one-on-one. I'm like, all right, no worries. We just kind of sat there anyways. Uh, right before the meeting started, I approached the the chief of staff, I believe, for the mayor, who is the one pushing the bill. And I handed him my my testimony. And I asked her, you know, hey, is this going to be on the, the, the docket for tonight? And she said, no, we moved it to next week. We're going to have an all-day session on it. And I'm like, well, okay. 
she goes, you can go ahead and leave. Well, I left. Well, Rod and his wife stayed, and they did touch on it really quickly. Um, turns out that some of the information that Charlotte had sent, a testimony that I had left, a story that Rod and his wife had told, they decided to table it until later this year. They wanted to bring it back up again to look at it. Um, but, that, I mean, that's all it was, just education, communication. You know, if you have a, an amazing lobbyist and you have amazing members that are willing to tell their story, you know, it resonates with people. And I, and I really think that the point there was we're going to try to regulate vaping to 21, but it's okay to still use cigarettes at 18. Yeah. <laughs> and I think once they saw that, they, they realized, because some of the studies we had put out there um, opened their eyes, that they probably weren't doing the best thing. So that's not always the case. You know, we had an, we had an issue up in Akron, Ohio, where uh, myself and Jason, who I talked about earlier, we showed up to uh, – give testimony and I was basically called a liar by the chief of staff for the mayor of Akron. Oh wow. And that oh yeah. And how these things normally work is you go through and they give you three minutes to speak. You have both sides opposing and four. Yep. And then after you're done you kinda wait, you know, out of respect and wait till everybody's finished and you leave. Well, before they dismissed us, the chief of staff who's also in charge of the health department up there or the a committee on health. He uh, he he addressed me specifically, and said that uh, things I was saying was absolutely wrong, oh. and that it should be disregarded by city council, and that uh, vaping is just as dangerous as smoking cigarettes. Oh, uh, I felt really really betrayed because that's not something you're normally supposed to do. You're not supposed to be attacked. Yeah. During a meeting, you know, it's a respectful time for you to state your your stance in the state, their stance, but not a time for uh, the members of the state to basically ignore or question your testimony. Yeah. And it was really, really nerve wracking. Oh, wow. So Charlotte did send an email to the mayor, copied that person and a few other folks, um, letting them know that she really did not appreciate the way that we were treated. <laughs> yeah. Um, and a few other things. So, you know, never, unfortunately, never heard back. Um, but you know, things don't, don't always go the way that you want them to, uh, but you've, you've got to try no matter if it's a win or a loss, it's still a win because you got to tell your story in front of a group of folks that make laws. Yeah. Wow. And how were you able to maintain your composure on that one? I mean, I would have been up there like <laughs> livid. <laughs> well, I went up to him after they dismissed, I went up to that gentleman in particular and I just asked him, I said, will you please state your facts? about what I had said. He said, a simple Google search will do it. Oh, I God. said, yeah, because everything on the internet's real, right? Oh. I said, we can agree to disagree, sir. And I just walked out of the room. Wow. That's all I could do. I wasn't going to do anything to make OHPTA look bad. I wasn't going to do anything to make vaping look bad. Yep. I wanted to address him in a very professional, very you know, forward manner that I wanted to call him out for calling me out. Yeah. And he never, you know, once I talked about the new American Cancer Society stance. I talked about the Royal College of Physicians. I talked about Public Health England. Talked about the study from New York. Talked about uh, there was another study I threw up there, and he just blew it all away. Doesn't matter. And oh, by the way, sir, you're not an Akron resident. <laughs> Even though I represent businesses that are in Akron, oh. I didn't live in Akron, so yeah. 
my opinion really didn't matter. Wow. It, well, it is amazing that the alarmism that, um, I mean, I still find it. I was just at a hearing myself out in Washington and the stuff that the public health people were bringing up, like, oh, yeah. formaldehyde is being, and, and, you know, and these, and, um, one of the, one of the people in the committee had actually asked, they're like, Hey, you know, I think, are there zero nicotine products? And, and the public health people kind of tap danced around it to the person with the, the legislator was like, Hey, no, like, are there zero nicotine products? Oh, but we've been doing tests and uh, nicotine still kind of shows up in them. And it's kind of just this crazy alarmism that's um, coming out from uh, public groups that should be protecting public health and actually be promoting. Right. The use right. Of well, it. I mean, I actually brought that up too. I brought up the uh, quote from Dr. Gottlieb uh, where he, you know, obviously has made comments that he supports vaping. And yeah. I also brought up the quote from Mitch Zeller that said, if everybody that smoked traditional cigarettes, switched over to vapor it'd be a win for public health yep. uh, i pointed that out um a few other things and it just you know at that certain situation they to me already had their mind made up yeah. as to which way they were going and because i again because i didn't live in akron my opinion didn't matter yep of course or my facts didn't matter i should say of course well okay and this perfect one for the Sorry. next for the, okay so what what's going on at the federal level um I know the FDA commissioner, the, uh, Scott Gottlieb, has came out with a you know new series of tweet threats. Um, uh, right. How is um, OHVTA currently working with any members of Congress, um, and what can we expect from anybody? If we're going to expect anything from any member of Congress this year, right? So you know we are still in the learning process with with, with Dr. Gottlieb. Yeah, you know he'll throw a bone to this industry, and then he'll come back and attack. Um, right now he's getting a lot of he's getting a lot of favorable press because of his continued bowing to campaign for tobacco free kids and and other organizations that are pushing the agenda of youth vaping and how uh, how uh, we are hooking a future generation of tobacco users which you and I both know is absolutely 100% false Um, as far as OHVTA we joined uh, the Vapor Technology Association in 2016, whenever I t- stepped up and took over uh, OHVTA, the very first thing was we needed to get aligned with the national organization. And through a lot of conversations with Demetrius, uh, Agrafiotis, and then uh, Tony Abood, uh, I took it back to the to the board, and obviously we voted with the membership. And the vote was unanimous that we needed to be a part of a group that was moving forward and forward thinking. And at that point in time, Vapor, Vapor Technology Association it hit everything that we wanted to be. Plus, we wanted to provide the most up-to-date information for our members yep. because things were getting scary for us at that time, right around August, if you remember, um, <laughs> when the deeming rule was announced. We were officially tobacco, as far as the FDA was, and we had a due date of 2019. Yep. So we needed to make sure we had every bit of federal information that we had that we could pass on to our, our, our manufacturers and our store owners and, of course, the consumers who are the ultimately ones that are going to be hurt in this whole deal, you know, they're going to have the, the, they're going to be left without an option if this thing goes south. So uh, right away, uh, as soon as we joined, actually before we joined, Tony had flown up to Ohio to con- to uh, Columbus to, uh, to speak at uh, one of the hearings that we had for a budget process, you know, which was amazing that we weren't even a member of the organization yet. And he flew up to speak on behalf of our industry for Ohio, what you know, this tax proposal would, how it would affect business and be detrimental to people's health if this tax went through. Yep. 
so right then and there, you know, Tony and I had a lot of conversations. We clicked, <laughs> we clicked with the entire board um, and we just knew it was the right decision. Yeah. And, you know, so since then, uh, we've had multiple meetings uh, in our own districts with congressmen, Congressman Stivers, as you mentioned, Congressman Johnson, Congressman Davidson, Congressman Winstrup, uh, geez, Congressman Joyce, uh, Congresswoman Beatty. Uh, I've actually had Congresswoman Beatty's uh, staff from Columbus tour my production facility That's where we awesome. make our liquid. Did they ask? A I invited lot of them over because I wanted to be transparent. I wanted them to see exactly what it is. Did they ask a lot of questions? They did, and you know awesome. what? They they left very pleased to see that it wasn't this big, dark, horrible monster that <laughs> they keep getting, you know, told by other groups of what we are. We're, you know, they were really, really happy. Yeah. And they were so happy. In fact, they went back and talked to Congresswoman Beatty and we were trying to get her to, to co-sponsor 1136 at that time, which was the, the, the Cole Bishop bill. And she had had a stroke uh, a while back. And since then, she had been on the board of the Heart Association. Uh, unfortunately, she would not co-sponsor that bill for us because, you know, it, a little bit of a conflict with what was going on with her. Yeah. But she wanted to know more about the industry. So she had her people come over, check out the facility. And then, you know, I, I sent a message back to, uh, at that time, her chief of staff here in Ohio or director, I think it was director. Uh, Matt Kopich and I invited them to our lab to kind of see how we do things. Yep. Um, they they walked through, had a great time, uh, last asked a lot of questions, and when they were done, I thanked them and I shot an email off to Matt. Hey, you know, really appreciate everybody coming. And if there's any questions or any kind of follow up you need, let me know. Um, I said I really would have loved to have had Joyce here so I could have asked her some you know some questions and addressed any of the things that she would have had uh, for us and. Uh, he said, no, it's all good, man. I said, well, if she ever wants to come check out a store, I've got one in her district. Feel free to come in and just look around and talk to some of the customers because that's ultimately what we want. We want them to hear from their constituents. Yep. So I happened to be on vacation on a Saturday, and about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I get an email from Matt. I'm like, well, that's weird. And he, he and uh, Congresswoman Beatty had just left one of my stores, oh, which wow. incidentally was one block out of her district. Oh, but wow. she went in, she went in, sat at the tester bar, acted like any other customer. My people didn't know who she were, who she was. They didn't announce that they were anybody special. And she sat there and asked a lot of questions. Yep. And I had a real nice email from Matt of how, what, I, what an eye-opening experience it was for her. And our employees were extremely professional. The store was very nice, very clean. She was amazed, and it really resonated with her that some of the people – how successful they have been by using. So she had talked to some of the customers. Oh, wow. And it was really nice, you know. Uh, and she had told me at that point in time, if uh, this language ever came up in a bill, because we had heard it was going to be a standalone like amendment, mm -hmm. that she would support it there, but she couldn't put her name on it. And I understand why. Yeah. But, you know, same thing with Congressman T. Berry, who was, who was actually my congressman for that store. Um, he was the head of the health, or he was like the head of the health committee. He wouldn't give me the time of day as far as uh, co-sponsoring anything. We met with his reps down in D.C., but you know they weren't going to make a statement or a commitment because, again, they're on the health committee or they're, they're head of the health committee. 
but it was a really good experience, and it, and it helped a ton that Charlotte used to work for Congress, Congresswoman Beatty whenever she was the state representative Beatty in the Ohio House years oh, ago. Wow. So, That's yeah, I mean, politics. it's just it's really cool how, like I said, I told you Charlotte was connected. She's amazing and very well connected. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, so we've had, we've had, you know, we've met with Senator Portman now three times that we've been to D.C., sat down with him. Uh, we've sat down with so many of our Ohio congressmen, you know, and appreciate VTA for making that opportunity happen for us every year to go down and talk to our constituents or our, our legislators in D.C., yeah. but it doesn't stop us from contacting them while they're back in their districts at home. Yeah. No, if only that was a long-winded answer for a question. No, I know. If only you could get every member of Congress to go visit a vape shop before they go decide legislation on it, or even you know an e-liquid or you know manufacturing company, and so they could actually see it with their own eyes instead of relying on very you know fear-mongering campaigns. Right. So it's it good. Oh well, no. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. You're fine. You're well, good. I was going to move on to the next question. How okay. That? Yeah, no worries there. All right. So you're going to be doing a little bit of traveling over the next couple months. Um, there's Vapors Carnival. I think this is coming again this weekend. Um, out in Oklahoma City. Um, there's also yep. Vapor Mania in St. Louis, and I'll actually be out there as well. And then there's the Midwest Vape Expo in Toledo, Ohio, and you're going to be there for. I guess they're going to be having a lot of advocacy at these um events. Could you talk to our uh, listeners more about that? Sure. So the first event up is uh, Vapors Carnival, which is um, for smokers by vapors. This this event is basically aimed at smokers. Yep. You know, the, the health of this industry depends on how many smokers that we can convert to vaping. If we don't get the smokers converted over, you know, to a better lifestyle by using our, our products, we don't stand a chance to outlast what's going on in the industry i mean that's point blank we know that's a fact because if they're not out there supporting the stores this industry goes away so this event is really amazing because they focus on nothing but the smoker and it's by it's put on by vapors who really want to see the industry continue to grow and flourish Um, i was asked by mark bird to be what they call a smoker's ambassador so my job there is to, when smokers come through, I'll take a couple of them, and I'll actually walk them around the, the convention, explain to them the origin of vapor, talk a little bit about safety, talk about battery safety, um, you know, introduce them to liquids, tell them the different, you know, different thicknesses of the liquids, you know, the 70, 70, 30, 60, 40, 50, 50, and what devices work better with each liquid, really giving them a hands-on experience so it's enjoyable for them, not so intimidating sometimes when they walk into a vape shop that could possibly be filled with clouds um you know and they're just a it it, it intimidates people we found that through different studies that that is the truth so this is an opportunity for us being the staples of the industry and the professionals that we are to walk these these customers through and answer any question they have given them one-on-one treatment so when they do go back to their you know to their home and they look for that local vape shop they won't be uninformed they'll feel a lot more comfortable and they'll know the questions that they want to ask yep so that that's going to be that's going to be my first time ever being a part of it Um, yeah it's it's fantastic and that's uh this weekend saturday and sunday oklahoma city um i do not remember the date of paper mania expo i know it's in february i think it's the 22nd Uh, through the 23rd 
there you go. So that's going to be in St. Louis. That is put on by uh, Mr. John Huck. Uh, that's just a, that's a fantastic event because it's really advocacy focused. Uh, John does a great job of vetting the vendors. You're not going to find Candy King or any of those folks there. <laughs> uh, and also he's going to have people that are going to get up and talk about what's going on in St. Louis and, and in, and in the surrounding areas. They're going to be right there to ask questions. The folks that are in charge of those advocacy groups for the state are going to be right there. And that's important to me because the businesses that will be setting up there, a lot of them are from the area. They're going to have a chance to talk to their, their state rep, their state organization one-on-one. And the consumers that walk through the door, yeah. they're going to be able to hear a lot about what's going on that maybe they don't get a chance to hear very often. Yeah. So that's the second one. And then I rounded out in back home in Ohio in Toledo at Midwest Vape Expo. And that is the, I believe, 30th and 31st of March. Okay. And that I'm super excited about for Ohio. Um, that, that is done by Dustin Griffith. And every year, Dustin always gives OHVTA a booth to sit, you know, to set up with, have people come over and meet us, talk to us. I get to go up and speak about advocacy a little bit, what's going on in Ohio. Um, you know, we do raffles and stuff to benefit the organization. We get to do all that fun stuff again this year. Plus, Dustin is donating $50 from every booth back to the Ohio Labor Trade Association. Awesome. So you know, advocacy is going to be put first and foremost at that, at that event, and I'm really excited about it. No, that's fantastic, and it's good to see the industry giving back to the, you know, to the advocacy because it's very important. I think without advocacy groups, that you know, I mean, the industry is going to get shuttered. Right, you know, if there's nobody there fighting, and and we can't convince the boots on the ground to do stuff, this industry is going to shut down faster than than 2022. Yeah, you know, unless some unless things change. Oh yes. Exactly. So um, where can our listeners find out more information about um, um, the Ohio Vapor Trade Association and as well as the Vapor Technology Association? Awesome. So for Ohio, you can you can find us on Twitter at Ohio Vaping. You can find us on Vapor on uh, Facebook at Ohio Vapor Trade Association. Uh, you can find us online at OHVTA.com or you can go to OHVTA.org. It'll kick you right over to .com. Uh, where we'll have a list of all of our members, both in-state and out-of-state. Uh, we have a lot of the latest news that's posted in our news links, our news feeds. Um, and then as far as VTA, if you go to savevapor.org online, you can find them there. Uh, I know they're on Twitter. I think it's just at Vapor Technology. And on Facebook, it's, it's Vapor Technology Association. So you can find us in any of those areas. Awesome. And do you have any advice for vapors, and especially vapors in Ohio? Get ready. Uh, if, if you're a business, manufacturer, or store, and you're not a member of the Ohio Vapor Trade Association, please get a hold of me. You can contact me through the OHVTA.com site. You can find me on Facebook at James Jarvis. Uh, you can hit up the Ohio Vapor Trade Association Facebook. You can hit up the Ohio, Vapor, the Ohio Vaping link on Twitter and direct message us. Um, the fight is here, and it's real. Uh, I saw an article this morning from the Dayton Daily News that said uh, that said most most folks are in favor of a tax on vapor products. Of course, that was put out by the health departments <laughs> or the health health organizations. Sorry, not departments, health organizations. Um, that's the first article that we've really seen this year. Um, Ohio is really different when it comes to legislative. There's no really set dates for anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, normally. Uh, Governor has to have the budget ready and introduced by February. Um, with an incoming governor, they give him an extra 30 days. 
So we won't see what, at least we won't see in writing what they've got until March. Um, and it has to all be, that has to all be uh, talked about and you have to go to, to testimonies and, and do all your, your education to the uh, representatives and it has to be voted on by the end of June at midnight. Oh, wow. So we don't have a whole lot of time and we lose 30 days this year. So um, if you, uh, if you want to keep this technology around and this, this way to, to, to keep from going back to tobacco, please get a hold of us. Uh, consumers, if you happen to hear this, just follow us on, on the Ohio Vaping, Ohio Vapor Trade Association Facebook page or at Ohio Vaping on Twitter. Uh, everything will be there, and there will be calls to action, and we're going to need you to, to reply, whether it's just a letter to your, your representative or a phone call, or if there's a meeting that we need you to attend. It's all going to be on there, and uh, we need every single boot on the ground that we can get. It's going to be a tough year everywhere. Awesome. Well, James, thank you for joining us today. Hey, Lindsay, I appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity to, to come on here and talk about the industry that I love so much and that I that I just absolutely get up every day and thank God that I'm able to do this. So thank you. Absolutely. Well, listeners, thanks for listening to another episode of Voices of Vapors. For more episodes of this series, you could um, find it at heartland.org or on iTunes. For more information on tobacco harm reduction and electronic cigarettes, please visit our alcohol and tobacco page at heartland.org. 